Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith shares today's message. Well, for the past, uh, well, now nine Sundays, including this one, we have been walking uh, through the words of Jesus Christ himself in what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, he's been flipping us uh, right side up. Uh, the, the world, our culture lives in an upside down fashion uh, in the opposite uh, will and uh, the will and the ways of of God as, as he reveals it to us in his uh, scriptures. And uh, he's been talking to us about what it looks like to, to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven on earth, you know, dual citizenship, uh, what, what kind of person we will be, what kind of uh, ways that things that we will value, uh, what kind of ways we will live morally and, and, uh, and ethically. He's talked to us about uh, what real righteousness looks like related to him. He's talked to us about what real, a life of real worship looks like. And, uh, but then at the very end of this Sermon on the Mount, he then takes a moment and talks about how one enters. How do you, how do you actually get to be in the kingdom of heaven on earth? And he starts out by saying, it's kind of narrow. There's a narrow gate. Enter by the narrow uh, gate. And so we're going to wrap up with him today on... Uh, how do you make sure you're entering the right gate and you're on the right road? Got it? Right gate, right road. Because he says it's really easy uh, to find the, the wrong gate. It's broad and uh, the, the way, the road to destruction is easy to get on. And he said there's a lot of reasons for that. One is that there's a lot of very attractive uh, voices that say uh, this is it's a broad way you can go over this side of the road or this side of the road or right down the middle hey it's all good and uh, so we want to make sure we're entering the right gate and on the right road got it okay here we go well let, let me let's do a little uh, a little uh, fun uh, uh, life experience uh, here just raise your hand if this is true for you how many of you ever in your life received at least one traffic ticket I'm, I'm, I'm admitting, I've, you know, I've gone public with that before. I've done that uh, too. How many of you never have received one? Never have, never have. There's a couple of nine-year-olds raising their hand. That's appropriate. That's appropriate in here. Uh, you never have. How many, uh, how many of you never have received a traffic ticket, but you deserved one? Raise your hand. We got a lot of law enforcement people in here. Check them out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when you get a when you actually get a traffic ticket on on that ticket, uh, you, there are um, uh, you're, there's a date. It's you get a formal charge, and uh, there are charges on there to and a date to appear in court. And on that date, you will stand. If you go to traffic court, you will stand before a bench and you will face a judge and you'll plead your case. But and says, and the issue will be resolved on this date. There's a date on there, right? There's a date on there. Okay, how many of you have ever been involved in a lawsuit? You've ever been sued? I, okay, I, I, me representing... Yeah, how many of you are members of Dogwood Church? 
You've been sued, so just so you just didn't know it. <laughs> Is that my day old? My, yeah, you've been. Well, you know, if you get a law, if you're involved in a lawsuit, there that you receive papers. There are formal charges against you or your organization or your your party, and there is a date set to go to court and to stand in front of one of these benches before a judge. And, and the issue on that date will be resolved in court before uh, a judge. Here's a fun one. How many of you have ever been audited by the IRS? Yeah, a few of us here. Let's ask that one. How many of you haven't but should have been? No, no, no don't, raise your hand. don't raise your hands there. Uh, well, you know, when you, you receive, um, some of you have gotten phone calls saying this is the IRS. And you ever gotten phone calls saying that? Now, my, again, my buddy Dale Giesen over here tells me, then that's not the IRS. They send letters. Okay, so just remember that. They send, they send letters. There's letters. You can hold it. And there are, there, on that letter, it says something like this, where we want to ask you about a few things. And there is a date set when you will come and, and uh, meet before an, uh, uh, an, uh, a representative of the IRS. And it says, on that date, these issues will be uh, resolved. Now, there are, there are similar kinds of uh, regulations, there are similar kind of laws and, and dynamics in the spiritual world. Uh, the Bible says this. Jesus, actually Christ himself said that when we violate one of God's laws, that there are charges brought against us up there, out there in his court. And um, in fact, if you like, say, so, well, where does it say that? Well, one of the places is in the book of Colossians. You may want to jot this down. You can look it up later. Book of Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 refers to this. It refers to a written code with its regulations. And it's speaking of God's written code uh, of, of laws, spiritual, moral, ethical laws, uh, and, and their regulations. And so it, it is kind of a certificate of indebtedness, kind of, uh, one with charges on it that cite the violations of God's laws, and, and that charge list is kept. The Scriptures describe it being kept in a book, that one day the books will be opened. I mean, really books, big books. And, uh, and our names are on it. The scriptures say, and there's a, and the Bible also says there is a date uh, set when you will and I will face those charges before uh, a judge. That's found in. So when's that date? Well, okay, here you go. Ready? Hebrews chapter nine, verse twenty-seven says this: A man, man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. On the day you die. You'll close your eyes here, you will open them there, and you will be standing before God, the ultimate judge, and you will face charges. Happy Sunday. Uh, so there we go. And, and there, there's a date set, there's a final date set, when, when you and I will walk into a heavenly courtroom and face God, the final judge, and, and the matter will be resolved on that day. Somehow. The matter will be resolved on that on that day. Now, now we've been really we've been really open and honest. Let's have a little more fun here. 
in the spirit of fun, uh, a little more fun, we've been open and honest about traffic tickets, and uh, we've been open and honest about lawsuits and and audits and that kind of thing. Uh, Let's take it a step further into the spiritual realm. So kind of get ready. I'm going to ask you to stand up and, and remain standing. Just pop up real quick. Don't think about it or you'll wimp out. So uh, uh, how many of you stand if you've ever told, an al- told a lie to someone? Just stand really quick and remain standing. Stand. How many of you have ever cheated in some way? Stand. Remain standing. How many of you have ever said something unkind about someone else without their being present? You know, you've held a barbecue without the guest of honor present. Just stand and remain standing. How many of you have had a wayward sexual thought? You know, I saved that one several times ways in so you you could go ahead and be standing. Um, uh, How many of you have ever lost your temper and raged at someone? I mean, you've been out of control. Uh, How many of you have ever said unkind things to minority groups or about minority groups? Yeah. I mean, look around. This is really like a short little list in your church, people. Sit down. Sit down. So... So this is just a quick list. Now, the, so let me just say, the scriptures say, the scriptures say that there is a certificate kept with your charges on them when you violate a standard of God in the Bible. It's got your name on it. It's got mine. It's got my name on it. And there will be coming a day when you and I will stand before the holy God of the universe and face those charges. We will be held responsible for those charges. And on that day, the situation will be resolved. It's going to be handled one way or another. Now here, back over near the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus transports us through the power of imagination to that day. Let's imagine it's that day. And he, he paints a picture for us of three groups of people. You are, you are currently now in one of those three groups of people. So, so turn on your imagination. Get with me here. One group handles it uh, the right way, but two of the groups blow it. Uh, and they realize their worst nightmare. Here's, the, here's your worst nightmare. Your worst nightmare is this, that is finding ourselves standing un prepared before God on Judgment Day. That'd be a bad day. That'd be a long day. That'd be a long day. And so, by the teachings of Jesus, you and I can learn from their mistakes and we can figure out what they do wrong so that we can not do that and we can do the, we don't make the same mistake. Got it? That's where we're headed today. Uh, I want to make sure that we... Uh, uh, make the right choices. So three groups. Here's the first one. Jot this down. Uh, you're going to see, uh, I think you're going to see this on the screen. Here's the first group. We're, they're called spiritual optimists. Spiritual optimists. Write those guys down. And their theme song is, don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. And here's what they do. They kind of just not get worried about these spiritual things and and they say, it seems to me that there's no such thing as charges kept. It seems to me that there's no really no such thing as days of reckonings. There seems to me that there's really no, probably no such thing as, as a God who's going to hold me accountable. Uh, there's really probably no such place as, such as heaven and hell. Now, interestingly enough, they've never done any deep research on this subject. They've never read 
uh, a couple of dozen books on this subject by some really, really bright, experienced wise people who've wrestled with this, some of them living, some of them, some of the old smart dead guys, maybe they've not read those, those guys, uh, they just intuit what they think about these matters. Spiritual optimists just intuit uh, that these things are true. And when you ask them where they came up with the idea that uh, you could just kind of be optimistic about, uh, about it and just cruise through life and not have to worry about you know, charges and death and judgment and that kind of thing, that it's all going to work itself out, they'll say, well, it's just my opinion. It's just my opinion. There, there are no charges. If there are charges, they're not serious. There's no God. Uh, if there is one, He's just going to sort of wink at the situation. Uh, there is no heaven or hell. And if there is, everybody goes to, to heaven. It just And so, again, I'm... When you ask them how they came up with this opinion, and I would say to those of you here who are spiritual optimists, how you, ask you how you came up with this opinion, most of the time the answer uh, is, is, uh, is this, well, it's, it just seems to me that this would be right and true. Just seems to me that this would be right and true. And, and so I want to ask those of you who are spiritual optimists, so are you really going to base your whole deal on an, on an intuition just just it just seems you're going to be, I mean the whole life in eternity you're going to base it on on intuition because the bible says Jesus said it is recorded in the bible that 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 is an inappropriate way to deal with charges and judgment days and days of reckonings and it'll end up with your worst nightmare, again, that being standing unprepared before a holy judge on Judgment Day. Uh, that's, that's how it... And so, um, Jesus says, however, that spiritual optimists tend to be, uh, kind of have the, the audacity from time to time to call out in a moment of crisis in a moment of weakness and say, hey God, if there is any such charges uh, uh, on judgment days, and would you cover me? Just, co- just Lord, if, there, if I'm wrong, just cover me. And that's what Jesus meant. Take a look now in Matthew 7, 21, when He said, well, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. He's talking about spiritual optimists. There. God says, no, that's, that's a bad way. Your optimism, God says, your optimism doesn't change the reality of the certificate of your indebtedness to God, it, 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 the charges, and it doesn't change the, the sentence of death uh, that is noted for those charges, nor does it change the reality of judgment day. Or the reality of heaven and hell or hell forever. So don't kid yourself. The don't worry, be happy approach is not a wise way to prepare for eternity. It's not a wise way to prepare. That's the first group, spiritual optimists. Say, spiritual optimists. Here's the second group. Jot these guys down. They're on the other end of the continuum and they are the spiritual overachievers. Or you might call them the moral overachievers. Uh, 
If you'd have gone to West Georgia, like I did, and been in the psychology department, you'd have said they'd been the guys who were trying to build up a little karma. Uh, The spiritual moral overachievers. Because some of us, some of us, do have an awareness that we we are in a... uh, we're somehow in some kind of spiritual deficit with God. That, that we are somehow in some kind of spiritual and moral and e- or ethical debt toward God. That we have a tab that we've built up that's unpaid. Uh, and, and that God, we, we think, you know, I think that God does hold a certificate of charges against me with the judgment of death. And especially as we get older... Uh, we have a tendency to to do that, and, but the problem is, is that we intuit again. We, the spiritual overachievers, the moral overachievers, intuit again. And here's what again: w- w- spiritual overachievers don't read a bunch of, you know, uh, uh, ten or twelve really good books by experienced, wise people in these these matters. They just intuit as well. Uh, and they say something like this so to themselves, now, so how would it make sense to me if I am in a morally deficient position with God, if I am spiritually in debt to God, how, how, would, it, how would it make sense to me to balance out my position uh, with God? I know, I know, I'll start becoming more religious. I'll start becoming more moral, more ethical. I'll start doing better things. I'll start coaching Little League. I'll start giving to the United Way. I'll start, uh, I'll start uh, coming to church services. I'll start passing out bulletins. I'll, uh, I'll start going to communion services. I'll even give some money to things. You know, so I'll start doing that. And so then they get on a, um, a religious or a moral or a good works treadmill or a little step tracker. Instead of keep getting ten, you know ten thousand steps a day, I'm tracking my good stuff. How am I doing? You know, what? Look at me, and we're saying, "How you doing today?" Well, I'm I'm up. You know, I got five, I got ten, I got twenty, I got thirty, and they get on this. We get on this treadmill and try to build up some positive spiritual reserves that will offset the spiritual debt or the the charges against us up there, out there in God's record book that we built up earlier in life. But again, all this is just done by intuition, opinion. But if we were to, to open up the Bible and see the words that Jesus recorded uh, on this issue, we would find that the Bible would say this. Say, hey, for piling up some miles on the moral treadmill, A plus, way to go. For doing all those good things, that, those are good things. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. But your religious performance or your ethical performance or your moral uh, energies that you have been exerting do not have canceling power over your certificate of death. Nothing you do on the moral treadmill removes a single one of the charges against you because of the mistakes or or the sins on your list that you will stand accountable to God for on one day. He, he, He would say this, it doesn't have erasing power. 
It doesn't have erasing power. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration here, and let me preface it by saying this. Uh, I, I am, uh, this is not a political statement, but it's the best illustration I can give us at, 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 the, at the moment. Um, I am, the Bible says that we are never to rejoice in wrongdoing. And so I, have, I, I never hope that someone is guilty of, of breaking God's laws or man's laws. So understand, this is not my point here. But let me, so let me, we're going to pretend here on a situation, but it's just the best illustration I could come up with at the time. So here we go. For the sake of illustration, let's, let's assume that Hillary Clinton is, is actually soon to be indicted for uh, doing something wrong with the use of a private server on her government email when she was Secretary of State and that she that she did jeopardize national security like her Republican critics not only claim but probably hope that she did, which is terrible to hope that about anyone. But let's say that that's the case, that she's soon to be indicted. And let's say that there's ample evidence that formal charges uh, are going to be filed and a court date set where she has to stand before a judge and be held accountable for those charges and that they will be resolved on that particular day. And let's just, again, just pretending, let's imagine that the date set to face those charges would be January the 7th, 2018. You know, a, a year and three months from now, something like that. We're just pretending, just pretending. Now let's say between now and then that in November, this November, that... Mrs. Clinton is elected by an overwhelming majority of, uh, uh, to the office of the President of the United States and that she goes on to do fantastic work her first year in office. I mean fantastic uh, work the first year of her presidency. That she, let's say, for example, let's say that she, she works uh, to see a total revision of the Obama health care plan uh, not only created, but passed and implemented that is so wonderful that it pleases everyone in the entire nation, that we're ecstatic about it. It's greatly benefited. Let's say that she, and she balances the national budget. And let's say that she reduces crime, certainly violent crime, by more than 50% in the first year. Uh, that she saw, single-handedly solves the racial strife problem uh, in our in our country right now, that she radically improves the quality and availability of education in in our country. That she really actually does a, a, a bunch of wonderful things as president of the United States. Well, then January the seventh, twenty eighteen comes, and she walks into a court and stands before a bench, stands before a judge. And the prosecuting attorney says something like this. Here are the charges in the use of the private email server. Here's the evidence, and she is guilty. And the defense attorney then steps up and says, But your honor, we have health care. Now, we have great education. We have reduced crime. We have a balanced budget. We have racial harmony for the first time in the history of our country, all because of President Hillary Clinton. What's the judge going to say? 
Yea, for administrative effectiveness. Rightly so. You should say that. But, the judge will go on and say, but none of your administrative achievements have the power to offset the charges. They don't cancel out the violations of the law that happened back during the days of your service as Secretary of State, the charges that you are now standing in this court accountable for. You see what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Jesus says that there are going to be real people who will stand before the bench of our holy God on Judgment Day, and finally they will say these words in verses 22 and 23. They will say this, But Lord, on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in Your name? Didn't we drive out demons in Your name? Didn't we do many miracles in Your name? And then I will announce to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. You are still lawbreakers. God will say, well and good. Glad for you. Appreciate you doing all those things. It's all great. But what about this certificate of charges? What about this certificate of death? What about these charges? Your moral treadmilling does not have erasing power for these. We've still got to deal with these charges. That's what God says. We've got to deal with the charges. So here's the dilemma that all human beings face. Here we are, guys. You ready? Here we are. Every one of us is that we all have a certificate of charges and that has with it a certificate of death, the penalty due to pay for the charges. We all have that with God. We're all going to stand before the bench of God on Judgment Day, before a holy God, and this certificate will be dealt with. Optimists say, don't worry, be happy, it'll never happen. Just seems to me it'll never happen. Overachievers say, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get my steps in. And I'm going to build up enough credits that it'll erase the charges. It'll, it'll, it'll balance out. They will miraculously disappear. But God says to both groups, you are dead wrong. And if you're in either one of those groups, this morning God says you are dead wrong. Wrong. Dead. Really. Dead. Wrong. And then he, Jesus goes on and He says an amazing thing. He says, So everyone, on the side of the mountain that day, So everyone, get a Bible. Get a Bible. Open the Bible. Read about the plan of God about how to cancel out the debts of sin and be reconciled with a holy God. He says it in verses 24 through 27. Take a look at it one more time. Here we go. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and uh, beat against, uh, pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because it was founded, its foundation was on the rock. But, Everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed and its collapse was great. So he says, if you open my Bible, you'll find there is a plan. There's a good plan. And you'll find that here's the plan in, in the little verse, John chapter 3, 
verse 16. You probably know it. John 3, 16, and it says this, For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. He gave His Son, Jesus, as a sin offering to pay for the certificate of uh, our death so that we so that whoever would believe in him and trust in him and ask him to apply to them personally what he did when he died on the cross and rose from the dead would have eternal life now that's counter to our intuition isn't it that's where the term counterintuitive it's whoa i didn't see that coming the whole world said i didn't see that coming that's not That's counter to our intuition. Listen, much of the wisdom of God is counter to our intuition. Much of it is. And and the only way, so then how will we discover it? Read read it, read it. That's why we encourage all the time for you to, we'll give you Bibles, buy Bibles, read Bibles. That's why we say get in groups and study Bibles. Because He teaches us all of these things. And there you will find the third group that dealt with this issue correctly. Jot them down. They are the grace receivers. The grace receivers. And um, look at this verse. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Take a look on the screen. Here it is. And when you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh... He made you alive with Him and forgave all our trespasses. He erased, here we go, look at this. He erased the certificate of debt. Aha. With its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. Now the Bible says here, God says here in His Word, this is how God plans to take care of the sin problem. He takes the sin certificates of individuals like you and me who are willing and who are humble and who are repentant about our sin and He nails them to the cross of Christ. Now take a look in the corner up here to my left. You see we keep a cross there, the symbol of Christianity. Uh, You know, the crucifixion was the Romans' most popular and most brutal way of capital punishment uh, in the Roman Empire. It was people were stripped naked, beaten almost unrecognizably, and then nailed hands and feet on that cross to either bleed out or suffocate finally on that cross publicly in front of everyone. And what they would do uh, is that they would take... there would be a plaque that would be nailed on the very top of the cross up above their head. Uh, A plaque or or papers would be nailed up above their head on the cross that had held the charges against them. It told what what they were guilty of, why they were being crucified. They They were those charges so that all the crowd who passed by could say, well, this guy's being executed. What's he being executed? Treason, murder, on and on and on. You know, it would be it would be nailed uh, up there. Well, this verse says, imagine you, imagine Jesus on that cross, and he's up there, and you go by and you say, well, why has he been crucified? And also, you look at the plaque nailed up there, and it's got your name on it with your charges.
I think that's what I've been trying to say to some of us for 30 years. That when you look at the cross and Jesus is on it and you look up above it, it's not just that He's on the cross, it's that my, my charges, I mean the stuff I'm actual, not made up stuff, I'm really guilty of. All that, what what y'all admit to earlier? A bunch of stuff. You stood. I saw you. So did God. Your name, all charges, breaking all of God's laws, all of the sins in the sinful heart and the rebellion against God. My name with my charges are up there. Not Jesus' name and His charges. He didn't have any charges. He was innocent. He was innocent. And this verse says that we just looked at, that your certificate of offenses against God was the plaque there, and that when, when, when Jesus died, God took your charges and credited your, your charges to Him, nailed them to His cross, and He paid the penalty you should have paid. He paid the penalty I should have paid. He paid the penalty for our sin, and because Jesus made payment, our sin is canceled. It is paid in full. You see, Jesus loved you so much that He can't bear the thought of you having to atone for your own sin on judgment day, being banished in hell forever apart from God. So He said, I'll do that for you. He was separated. He took the payment. He did it. He loves you so much. He loves you so much that He did that for you and for me. And so what do we need to do now? Abandon our spiritual optimism. Get off our moral treadmill. Come to the cross of Jesus and admit that those were our crimes against God. That we're guilty of them. That we grieve them. That we mourn them. And that we admit that we want Jesus, what He did when He died on the cross, to be applied to us. Would you apply that to me, Lord? Would you be my substitute? Would you, would, you, would you be my substitute? Would you pay for me? Because I humbly admit it and I turn from it and I am trusting in you. And so let me ask you, so if you, uh, the way we like to say it around here about me, they were, the, the elders are always saying, what are we going to do, Lord? You know, if Keith gets hit by a truck and, or, you know, that kind of thing. One day I said, let's, let's change the metaphor here. Let's say, what are we going to do when Keith dies peacefully in his sleep at a ripe old age? But let's say that tonight you die peacefully in your sleep at whatever age you are. Close your eyes here, you open them there, and you're standing before the judge. And your charges are going to be reckoned with. What are you going to say about your certificate of death? I'm just, hey, I'm just an optimist. I figured you wouldn't take, it'd be no big deal or... Well, you know, I did all these things. He said, no erasing power for all your morality. Uh, your only hope is to say, I have admitted my charges and I have trusted in your Son, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to take credit and pay for my charges. That's the only option. That's how you enter by the narrow gate. He says, it's the, by narrow, he meant it's the only way. Now, he lets anyone through that gate, but it's the only way. So pray with me. Just turn the place where you're seated into your own private place of prayer for just a second. You say, well, I, 
I've been an optimist, Pastor. What do I do? I've been an overachiever, moral overachiever. What do I do, Pastor? Here's, here's what you do. First of all, from your heart, I'm going to guide you through this prayer time. From your heart, would you admit to God that you are guilty? That you are a sinner who is guilty? And that you grieve it? And you, you consciously want to turn away from your sin and your sins. You want, to, you want to make a change of mind that results in a change of direction. And next, you place your trust in Jesus. Say, Lord, I put my trust in You. I believe You died on the cross for my charges because of my charges. And I ask You now to for, come into my heart and life and forgive me my sin. Reconcile me with God the Father. Erase the record of my charges out there, up there in God's court. To the best of my understanding, I commit all, of my, all that I am, my life and my eternity into your hands. I want to give myself to you as your child. Give me your gift of eternal life. You tell him. So Lord, thank You for hearing these prayers. Now look at me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your communication card. If you have committed your life to Jesus, as I've described, maybe understood it for the first time, really, maybe some of you said, I just want to make sure, but I made that commitment, then I want you to take this card and let me know on the back of the card, it says, today, I prayed and asked Jesus into my life. That's what we're talking about here. Trusting in Jesus, being a grace receiver. So would you uh, check that statement? Turn the card in. We've got, I've got a packet of materials I want to send to you to help you with your next step spiritually. If you have done so, personally, privately become a Christ follower, the next step for you is to be baptized. Sunday, October 30th, last Sunday this month is Baptism Sunday here, we're going to baptize a bunch of people who go public with their faith. Your next step is to declare publicly you're following Jesus by being baptized. Check that statement that says, I want to talk to someone about baptism. And we'll help you schedule your Christian baptism. We're going to sing about this great grace. Now, so you join in. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword dogwood to 779-77 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and more.